Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is October 22nd. Today we are going to start what is possibly my favorite book in the entire Book of Mormon, and that's the book of 4th Nephi. Now 4th Nephi is super interesting because it's just one small book, but it covers the history of about 286 years. So we have this massive time frame that happens in this small book. We also see the entire spiritual gamut happen here in this book. We go from having a group of people who experienced a visit from the Savior and were converted to him and his teachings, all the way to the end of the book where the people have fallen into wickedness and pride and secret combinations again. Now, I feel like the entire Book of Mormon is given to us partly as a warning about how not to fall into this wickedness. We've talked several times about the pride cycle, several times about all these small choices that can turn us from following the Lord and doing what's right into little by little leading us down to destruction. So rather than focus on the change that happened in these people, I really want to focus our attention on what made these people so incredibly righteous so incredibly good. These people lived for a while in a Zionistic type society. They were righteous. They followed Christ. They did what he asked. And as the scriptures say, there was never a happier people. So I want to take a look over the next couple days at the things that these people did to help them become so joyful, so happy, so able to follow the Lord closely. Now, there were several things that they did and several things that they didn't do that led to this great happiness among the people, that led to this great amount of righteousness among the people. However, I'm just going to talk about a few of them. And the one that I want to talk about today is in verse 11. Now, it's interesting because I had studied this chapter several times and looked at all the different things that the people did or didn't do that led them to this great happiness. But one time I had the assignment to teach this chapter in my singles word, and it wasn't until then that I noticed verse 11. Here in the middle of this chapter, it's talking about all the things that they were doing and all the things that they weren't doing that led them to joy. And verse 11 says, and they were married and given in marriage and were blessed according to the multitude of the promises which the Lord had made unto them. It had never occurred to me before I was teaching this lesson for a singles word, that marriage was a part of that happiness. Now, I want to make a disclaimer here. And that disclaimer here is that just because they were married did not immediately lead to their joy or their happiness. Now, I say that for two reasons. It's kind of like two disclaimers in one. The first is, if you are someone who has not yet had that opportunity for marriage, I want you to understand that being married does not guarantee happiness. Being married does not instantly make one happy. We can find true happiness and true joy without that. And we should constantly be seeking that happiness and that joy, even before marriage. We're going to talk about several different things in the podcast today on ways to improve marriage, in ways to find more joy and happiness in marriage, but I don't want anyone to feel like this podcast is not for them because everything that I'm about to say about things that can lead to more joy and happiness in marriage apply to most relationships that we have. We can strengthen any relationship with these same principles because they are true principles. 
So that's the first disclaimer. The second disclaimer is that just because they were married doesn't mean they were immediately happy. It was the things that they did in their marriage. It was the work that they put into their marriage. It was the righteousness that they brought to their marriage that led their marriage to increase their joy. Does that make sense? So today I want to talk about some things that we can do in our marriages and in our relationships that can lead to greater joy and satisfaction in them. Now, I just have to say for a couple of years, I taught the marriage and family relationship class in my ward and I loved it. It was my favorite thing to teach, mainly because I feel so blessed by my marriage. I have an incredible marriage to an incredible husband and I give 99.9% of the credit for why our marriage is so good to him. He is incredible. But teaching that class, there were some things that I learned and some doctrines and principles that can be applied to marriage to help lead them to greater joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction in our lives. First of all, and this is something I usually said in this marriage and family relationship class, one of the best things you could do for your marriage is read the book For All Eternity by John Lund. Or you could listen to it. He's actually really funny, so I recommend listening to it. It is incredible. It is an amazing book about communication and conflict resolution and forgiveness within marriage, and I cannot recommend it enough. We'll actually post a link to it in our social media post today. But in that book, he gives seven different things that we should do every single day in our marriage. He said doing even five of these seven things every single day will lead to greater joy, happiness, and love in marriage. The first is one verbal I love you with eye contact every day, one five-second kiss, 10-second verbal expression of appreciation, a 15-minute honeydew, a 20-second hug, a 30-second written love note, and 30 minutes of talk time. He says that if we'll do five of those seven every day, that we will find greater joy in our marriage, we'll find greater peace, we'll communicate better, we'll feel more loved. And so I absolutely love that. The second thing that I would say is summed up really well in this quote by Elder Holland. He says, think the best of each other, especially of those you say you love. Assume the good and doubt the bad. One of the best things we can do for our marriages and for our relationships is to give each other the benefit of the doubt, to always assume that everything that is said or done is done from a place of love and is never intending to hurt one another. Next is when we have one of those experiences where something does hurt, where something is said that stings or done that is frustrating, we need to be quick to forgive. And once we've forgiven, once we've buried that hatchet, we need to make sure that that hatchet stays buried. We don't continue to dig up the past. We don't continue to rehash old issues. We forgive, we move on, and we look forward to the future, not back to the past. And on that same note, we also have to be willing to seek forgiveness when we're the ones that mess up and make mistakes. Elder Christensen of the Quorum of the Seventies said, To develop a solid marriage, we must be able to admit we are sorry for mistakes we make. When conflicts in marriage arise, we should be swift to apologize and ask for forgiveness, even though we may not be totally at fault. True love is developed by those who are willing to readily admit personal mistakes and offenses. And then finally, I think it's so incredibly important 
in marriages and in relationships, anywhere that you want to show love, that you learn how to speak in the love language of your partner. So often I have seen marriages where both people loved each other so much, but neither one of them knew how to show love in the way that the other person felt love. And imagine how frustrating that must be to go around trying to show love and not feel like the other person is recognizing everything that we're doing to show love. Or how frustrating it is to sit there and be like, well, why doesn't this person ever just X, Y, or Z? Not recognizing all the things that the person is doing because that's not their love language. One of the best things that we can do for our marriages and for our relationships is to learn to speak in our significant other's love language. Because we can speak in our own all day long and they might never understand which is so frustrating for both parties. My friends, I testify that marriage is ordained of God, that it is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to his children, that we can find greater joy and happiness and peace and love in our lives through our marriage relationships. But they take work. They take forgiveness. They take seeing each other through rose-colored glasses sometimes. But I testify that it is so worth it. As Elder Clayton once said, Marriage is a gift from God to us. The quality of our marriages is a gift from us to him. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.